Facts and lies and rock and roll. Do, 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 do. <laughs> oh, have mercy. Welcome to Facts and Drugs and Sex and Rock and Roll. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast where we take songs that we love and we try to cram them down your throat. I'm Josh Wilson of the Super Familiar with the Wilsons podcast, and I'm guest hosting today because our regular host is here. So Hello. make that make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'll fix it in post. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Mark Plant, what's your name? Uh, it is the Plantykins of the Plant Podometrist. Yeah, Mark Plant of uh, 100 Things We Learn From Film Podcast. But you know that already because it's in the fucking feed. Yeah, this is going well. This is you yeah. didn't send me a script is the problem. <laughs> no, so I, this I, is... I, I don't have a script, so why should you? <laughs> Exactly. This is uh, this is the podcast where we bring a song that we love and we chat about it. And so, Mark, what song have you brought today? I have bought technically two songs, question mark. Uh, Layla by Derek and the Dominoes. Why? Why this song? Because Goodfellas, obviously. Of course. <laughs> because that scene in that movie is, is why I bought this song. It's great. It's a song of two halves, right? But I'm going to be honest, I don't like the first half. I like the second half. All right, so say more about that. So, it, it changes part way through. So, Eric Clapton's band was Derek and the Dominoes. They got together on the back of George Harrison's All Things Must Pass album, 1917, which is George Harrison's debut album after he left the Beatles. Vastly overrated, the Beatles. Derek and the Dominoes, vastly underrated. Uh, and uh, that's, that, that's, that's going to be switching off. Controversial, right there. Yeah, already. Yeah, the uh, so they were they were the backing band for almost the whole of that album, uh, and it included Dwayne Allman of, uh, of the Allman Brothers. Uh, also famed for very long fucking songs. The album is called Layla and Other Assorted Love Songs. This is the best one, as far as I'm concerned. This is the, the pinnacle of it. As a single goes, the biggest one that didn't do very well. Didn't do very well. Now, do you know why why it didn't initially do very well? Um, I just assumed because it was too long. It's, it's probably my guess. It's about, it's about seven, six and a half minutes long. Well, partially that maybe, but also because people didn't initially uh, associate it with Eric Clapton, did they? Because no. Because it came out as Derek and the Dominoes. And then, of course, uh, do you know why it had a resurgence? Because uh, he did it on the um, the unplugged, the MTV unplugged. MTV unplugged, which is where I mean, I was aware of the song before, but but I had that album, and I wore that album out, and um, slower, kind of a loungy version of that song. That that album was arguably the Peter Frampton comes alive of its age. Hmm, that's interesting. Every not, household had it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say not quite as exciting, but yeah. yeah. That's um, a great album, by the way. Why am I not talking about fucking <laughs> Peter Frampton? Why not like this? Um, him, him of the amazing. What is it? What is that thing that he sticks the tube in his mouth and the guitar yeah. does the talking? Vocoder. Vocoder. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Do you feel? Do yeah, you yeah. Feel? Everyone would just like fast forward to that so that that part of it. Yeah, um, absolutely. That's a, that's so a great. That Danaf go. That's a great song. From those that Danaf go on. So that another twelve minute song. It's up there with In a Garda de Vida by Iron Butterfly for me. I, I love a long song. Well, good. Uh, so, but this song now. So, uh, give me more about. Uh, do you know who Layla was? Uh, yeah, so it's two parts 
the inspiration. So it's inspired by its 7th century Arabian love story, the story of Layla and Majnun, uh, 12th century Persian poet Nizami Ganjavi, which is fantastic. And again, it's a tale of an unrequited love or, or a love that he is unable to get his hands on. And, and uh, you know, I think we've all experienced that at some point in our lives, right? Let's just... I'm going to take your word for it. Uh, everything I've gone after, I've caught. So we're just going to leave it at that. <laughs> Including COVID, yeah. <laughs> Except COVID. Well, no. no. <laughs> um, but it's also about his infatuation with Patty Boyd, who was the wife of George Harrison at the time. He was absolutely infatuated. So have you looked at this, uh, this story, a version of this poem here? Uh, I have, yeah, I did. I haven't got it in front of me, so that's I've let myself down there. But well, yes, that would be a lot to have in front of you. It's freaking massive. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but I did, I did kind of look through it to get the, um, to get the feel of it. Now, did you know that that another song on that album also borrows from this poem? I did not. No, I mean the the guy didn't have a single idea in his little head. It seems. <laughs> okay, so the song "I Am Yours." which is the first track on, on what they're calling side two here. The writers are credited as Clapton and Nazami. The, the, uh, so he basically lifts a, a stanza of the poem and puts it to music. He never heard it, of course. I mean, it doesn't, I don't get the sense that it was a very well received. On the, on the Wikipedia article, you have some of these tracks that have hyperlinks to them. This one does not. So that probably tells you all you need to know. So just for the sake of our conversation, know that that he borrowed for that song as well. So yeah, so he ended up marrying uh, Patty Boyd, yes? It is indeed, yeah, absolutely. Um, Layla was ranked number 27 of Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. That's all right, isn't it? That's not bad going. That'll work. Do you know why it was seemed like two different songs? Uh, because it was two different songs smashed together. There you go. Yes. Um, and, and as I say, I, I, I prefer the kind of the, the piano-driven kind of guitar thing at the, the, the end. It just, it just sounds so good. And it's, I don't know, I think it goes from a song that you would hear on one of those um, driving rock albums that were so big in the late 80s, early 90s. You know, you'd get the Scorpion's Wind of Change. You would get Batman Turner Overdrive. You ain't seen nothing yet. You would get Layla by David but probably only the first bit. <laughs> you know? um, and and it, because it was driving songs for dads, you know, that kind of thing. They, yeah. yeah, and uh, this, that second half to me, uh, I like both halves, right, for different reasons, but that second half to me is very much borrows from the the uh, mid '70s, late '70s Elton John sound, oh, yeah. which I love. Any thought? Oh, absolutely and very orchestral and and uh, very good. And so I probably favor that second half as well if I were to think about it. Okay, you've now got me thinking about all the Elton John songs I could have picked. Damn, national treasure. Absolutely. And I don't believe ever let his son fall out the window. So he was doing that. Well, let then there's that. And we're, let me, we don't let me keep it light. We'll keep it light. We don't we? necessarily have to, to talk about. I mean, this is, <laughs> it's another heavier conversation that I'd gladly have with you sometime about, you know, throwing out the artist but keeping the art. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the guy, the guy's, yeah. I think the guy's got a little bit right wing, hasn't he? But uh, 
they say we all do eventually. Anyway, that's not happening to me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I tell you, it's one of the largest musical disappointments in, in that vein to me because I absolutely fucking love his music. Is his <clears throat> early music is Van Morrison. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that that song "Caravan" to me is as close to musical perfection as you can get. Yeah, I don't know if we, you know that tune. I do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tom and I have been uh, talking about the Who on uh, everything we learned from the Simpsons. Those guys are fucking right wing assholes and pedophiles now. So what? That's very disappointing. Very disappointing. Uh, see, this is I just maybe I just don't want to know. I find no. it very difficult. Once I find this stuff out, I do find it very difficult to separate mm. the art from the artist. Now, I don't campaign except perhaps right now in this podcast, I don't campaign and go out and try to convince everyone else of my point of view, but but there's only one movie with Kevin Spacey that I'm able to watch mm-hmm. now. That's not true. Two movies. Okay. Um, I, I can still stand uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil because he is an absolute piece of dreck in that movie, and it works. And then nothing's going to make me uh, forsake Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just wish Christopher Plummer hadn't died because at some point he's going to wheedle his way back into Hollywood and we can't replace him with Christopher Plummer. Unless they do what they did in that Star Star Wars movie. <laughs> with, uh, oh, God. With Terrible. Peter Cushing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> to, Rogue One. Awful. Fucking hell. Yeah. Never could understand. Did you, you saw that movie, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I saw that movie. They could have, they got real, real cocky there because they could have kept him shrouded in shadows. Mm-hmm. They could have mitigated some of the awful CGI, but they just chose not to. What is their problem? Uh, they, it's like Ian Malcolm says in Jurassic Park your scientists were so preoccupied with whether they could, they didn't stop to consider whether they should bring the, the master of horror back to life. I'm just saying that I, I, I'm going even past that question because if, if they'd have done it more subtly, I would have probably been able to accept it, but mm-hmm. they just had to go out and, and have him full face, fully lit. And it's like, well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Abs- yeah. It, it, it didn't work at all. Uh, good film though. Uh, Dirty Dozen uh, with it's Star Wars Dirty Dozen, basically. I think it's underrated for yeah, a Star Wars flick. But back to this song now. So which version <laughs> do you prefer? Do you prefer the original version or do you prefer the unplugged version? Oh, the original version. The unplugged version is going na 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 It just doesn't, it, it doesn't. Wait, wait, what, kinda, what song was that then? That, that was that was that was the unplugged Layla. It's just it, it has this beat that's kind of da 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 and it and it just and I get it and I get unplugged because my my unplugged album. In fact, two unplugged albums I like more than this one, uh, the Nirvana one. The Nirvana unplugged is fucking brilliant, mm. and it's made me cry a number of times when I think about what what we could have had had. Mm. You know, had he not done what he did, um, and the uh, Alanis Morissette unplugged uh, MTV unplugged album is great. Love Alanis, love Alanis, and I always forget how much I love Alanis till I listen to that album. What a talented fucking singer songwriter she was! And at no point does she take any of her songs and go, "Isn't it ironic?" You know, she didn't do that. Whereas <laughs> I, I don't know, I'd never really liked that version, but. It had the the wonderful tonight version, the um, tears in heaven, which is fucking it's heartbreaking. It's a heartbreaking bit of music, um, and and it just yeah yeah it just it, it just doesn't. This particular song is better 
when it's played with everything, when it's played with all the with all the artists, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's interesting, those three unplugged that you mentioned, the only three I can call to mind. So clearly, their excellence is borne out by their popularity in this case. Interesting that George Harrison was not bitter about the, the divorce and then remarriage of Patty Boyd. In fact, he attended the, the wedding party with Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr. So she must have been a catch, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I always thought that George was on a different plane to the rest of us. I think he... I think he saw things very different. I mean, he did a lot of mind-altering drugs, right? There's no doubt about that. And I think on the back of that, he he lived a completely different existence to any of us. And everyone's like, "Oh, he's he's a you know he's a crazy old hermit lives a, you know lives in his house and doesn't come out and doesn't doesn't say normal things." But, yeah, but he he didn't need to continue working, and he could just sit tripping balls till till he's till he's dying day till he's being stabbed day. Uh, you know. Yeah. Interesting though. Did you watch this Beatles documentary? Any of this Beatles documentary? No, no, because I can't bear it. I can't. I can't. It, it just. I can't watch. Is it like twelve hours of documentary of them sitting around and arguing about things and having a discussion? And even Ringo's here and he's got nothing to say because he's really boring. Uh, yeah. No, I didn't know it. It doesn't interest me at all, Josh. And I know everybody said if you love music, you gotta watch it. It's, it's great. It's such a. It's such a look at, at a pivotal like a pivotal time for them, a pivotal, you know, pivotal album. And the, the whole Phil Spector thing is, is something that I'm really, really into the, like in the, you know, the, the, the disaster of um, the Phil Spector uh, album and, and, and what they did and, and, you know, all of that. And it is very interesting. I watch a lot of films for my podcast and I, I, I'd rather just watch another two films for the podcast a week. Than yeah, I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched because I have the attention span of a net, but mm-hmm. I, I watched enough to 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 peg the the dynamic and to come to the conclusion that the Beatles had to break up. Okay, they, there's no way that that divorce wasn't going to happen because they entered into their roles as kids, as as teenagers, and then as you do often the group dynamic is you stay in that role no matter how old you are. And so George came off as the little brother that no one paid attention to, even then. And that's probably how they started out, because he was significantly, I think, younger. I think he was like 15 while they were like 18 or 19 or whatever it was. Um, But then they're in their 30s, and he still has that role. And he's still kind of shat upon by the others. And so he had to get out. There's no way that that was going to continue. Um I liked his solo stuff. The, the I mean, most, some of it was kind of out there, but I liked his solo stuff. Yeah, the mo- the most talented of the Beatles. I, I I don't think there could be much argument there. To be honest, in my opinion, I think he's. You think George talented. was most? Talented? Oh yeah, 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 I do absolutely one hundred percent. Yeah, I th- I think he was the best guitarist personally. Oh well, he was probably the best guitarist, but I don't know that he was the most talented. Uh, I mean, I, of of all of them, um. Ringo's pretty. Ringo's actually a very talented drummer, and I only know that I don't know shit about drumming, but I only know that hearing other drummers talk about the choices he made. Um, you can't argue with Paul's, um, just his breadth of work. I, and, and I was going to say, I, I, I've got to respect Paul's output, but when you throw enough shit at the wall, some of it's going to stick. <laughs> you know, and and as Alan Partridge says, wings 
only the band the Beatles could have been. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I'll leave that just there then. Um, uh, I enjoyed some of Wing stuff. I, I think... yeah, yeah, me too. Oh, Band on the Run's a great album. Band on the oh. Run is a, is, a, is a fine album. Yeah. Now John was a piece of work. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, wife he, beating piece of shit. He was clearly went through a lot in his life that that broke him entirely. I would have been interested to 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 see if if the last year of his life supposedly he's went on this tremendous a journey of healing. Whether that was first of all genuine, and then second, what he would have what he would have done, and you know, would he have ended up on the seaside in a shack painting pictures? Uh, for someone to come visit him and say, I stole your songs. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, b- back to the song, as much as I don't want to talk about, as much as I want to talk about the Beatles. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was platinum in the UK with 600,000 sales. That's not bad going. Um, okay, so I, how long of a period of time did it take it to, to reach that? that again, it wasn't. That it was not initially a very... Uh, very popular. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, I, I would assume that that's across both uh, both releases. I would have thought because that was the it was the single, wasn't it? it was a, I think it was the lead single off the the second version of the album. I will give you an interesting bit of Wilson trivia that's connected to this this song. This was recorded at Criteria Studios in Miami, Florida, the place where I spent the first thirty years of my life. All right, you you go not in the studio, studio. <laughs> yes, not in the yeah. studios. But this was, uh, I mean, you had the, the Bee Gees recorded here, uh, ACDC, Bob Seger, um, all of these uh, famous folks recorded at Criteria, including Derek and the Dominoes. Mm, wow, okay, it's interesting. The second bit they call the piano exit. Piano exit is the term that they use for it. Um, and we've kind of mentioned that it's in Goodfellas. Uh, it's a huge, huge, huge pivotal scene in Goodfellas, which I think ushers in kind of the end of the good times and the beginning of the just the the fucking downfall of all of these characters. And and it's it's a great scene, isn't it? And it, the whole point is: do not spend the money from the big job. Whatever you do, don't spend the money from the big job. And they turn up with the cars, the Cadillac. They turn, the other guys turn up in the uh, his and hers matching furs, um, and you know, and 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 then we just learn that they're just we just see them picked off one after another after another after another, including you know they open this meat van and the two with the furs are in the fucking meat van on the hooks. Mwah! Chef's kiss. It's brilliant. <laughs> no, nobody, nobody does. Scenes to films like Scorsese, in my opinion. Uh, you know, they, they, they score it with pop music, and it might be the fucking Stones. Yeah, I know he loves the Stones. Isn't it hard on for the Stones? This is great. The bit, it's the, my second favourite bit of that film behind the Copacabana Be My Baby bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yep. I fucking love that. But I absolutely love be my baby. It's, it's a great piece of music, and I, not a popular opinion. But Phil Spector was a fucking genius. Oh, I don't. I don't I'm not certain that anyone would disagree with that. It's just again this whole idea of art and artist. Everything else has overshadowed it. Great, great Al Pacino role as well. I don't know if you saw that uh, HBO. <laughs> 
movie. I did not. I did not. Oh, my God. I can only imagine. Here I am, Phil Spector, with a different wig every trial. (laughs) Possibly not. I might have made that bit up. So this song, have you heard any of the covers? Uh, No, I haven't heard any covers. Shit, I've I've got to let myself down here. You're going to tell me there's a Scar cover that I've missed. Well, there's probably a Scar because there's a fucking Scar cover to everything, and that's that's a different conversation. It was covered by the London Symphony Orchestra, but without the lyrics, um, and it was recorded at Abbey Road. Oh, right. Well, and uh, the Royal Philharmonic has also recorded a uh, version. Eric Clapton has recorded a couple different times. Of course, we have the acoustic version, and then he did a jazz version. Um, but the most interesting thing that I learned about covering this song is that in 2003, the Allman Brothers began playing this song in concert as a tribute to um, to the dearly departed Dwayne Allman. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. Yep. But it lasted 21 minutes because it was an Allman Brothers song. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so it says here that they were a tribute to, uh, not only to Allman, but to the producer Tom Dowd, who had died the previous year in 2002. Oh, right. Okay. So there you go. It, it's one that pops up all the time on my Spotify. If I, if I just put, if I put Spotify radio playlist on, there are two songs that always pop up alarmingly regularly. And it must just be because the way my Spotify algorithm is over the, I want to say, I've had a Spotify account for like, 11 years now um, and it, this comes up all the time as does Werewolves of London by uh, Warren Zevron of which course is, it's beautiful and it's another one hopefully at some point I'll get the chance to talk on my own podcast about Werewolves of London because it is there's so much going on there so much going on in that I'd love to meet his tailor I think it and say it all the time <laughs> somebody says something about somebody to me I will always kind of mumble to myself I would love to meet his tailor what uh, n- nothing sorry I was just thinking of some I was thinking about <laughs> werewolves of London by Warren Zevron man he is he is worthy of his own podcast that dude yeah yeah absolutely gone another gone too soon another gone too soon and just as a, a little bit of surprise, that we talked about how they didn't initially chart with this song very well in 1971. The highest chart that it had reached, it reached number three in Poland. <laughs> right, okay. Number eight in Japan, number nine in the Netherlands, and in the U.S., number 51 mm-hmm. on the, the Billboard Hot 100 it did not peak in the UK until 1972, where it was number seven on the UK singles chart and number one on the Puerto Rican singles I chart. I had number one on the Puerto Rican singles chart too. I'm so glad you. I'm so glad we both got that. <laughs> it was great. So there you go. What very happened in 1972? Is my question. Uh, did Watergate? Perhaps people wanting to distract themselves from another yutzy U.S. president. The sound of Watergate. The sound of Watergate. <laughs> Big fan of Derek and the Dominoes. Interestingly, this website that I'm referencing is really fascinated with how this song is done on the Japanese singles chart because okay. it charted several times in Japan, more than any other country, weirdly. Hmm. Look what that is. Big, Sc- Big Scorsese fans. Yeah, that's it clearly yes. In 1982, when when that movie came out, <laughs> yeah, he used it in uh, he, he used it in the Last Temptation of Christ, don't you know? 
<laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Satan got me on my knees. Got me on the cross. You, you know, Peter, I'm something of a domino myself. <laughs> oh, Christ. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> All right. Anything else about this jewel that that um, that Eric Clapton has sprang upon us? No, I think I think I've I think I've absolutely emptied the well. Pardon the expression uh, of uh, of this particular one. Well, it it was a it's it's a controversial choice, but thank you for bringing it. And my hope and my prayer is that people will turn this podcast off and and discuss this hours on end. <laughs> my hope and prayer is they'll turn it off before it even starts. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, Planty again. Um, where can people find your podcast? Same, uh, don't, same place yeah, they're listening now. <laughs> no, okay, but this is not the only podcast in which you uh, participate, so let's give that other one some love. Yeah, it's a good shout. Yeah, we do ev- everything we learn from The Simpsons with my dear friend Tom, where we try and uh, pick out all the social and cultural aspects of quotes and things in The Simpsons. We do a different episode every couple of weeks, and you will get us on the internets at every Simpson singular, every Simpson pod, uh, where Tom will be sharing memes, usually about him running marathons and uh, the British government being a bunch of shits. <laughs> what about can't, you, Josh? Where will they find you? Can't beat that with a stick. They'll find me wherever you are, three feet behind. <laughs> Pretty much. Super, super familiar with the Wilsons podcast. Google that and um, you'll find us. Great. Fantastic. All right, so until the next episode that that you will hear, and you won't hear me, you'll, you, you'll, you'll hear Mr. Plant with some other schmuck. Um, I'm Josh Wilson uh, saying adieu. Ta-ra. Facts and lies and rock and roll is very good indeed. <laughs>